What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pobliano, and this is The Joe Pop Show. Happy Friday. I hope everyone had a great week. We got a bunch more NFL playoff games on the docket this weekend, and it should be a really great weekend in the sports world. But today, we're going to be talking about something that's erupted on social media over the last week. I'm talking about Pro Football Focus's rating system. So this all started with J.J. Watt complaining on Twitter about C.J. Stroud's grade from his first playoff game. For those of you who haven't been following, Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud essentially had the exact same stats in their first playoff game last weekend, yet received wildly different grades from the grading system at Pro Football Focus. Now, there's been some discussion back and forth. People have been arguing all week on Twitter and on ESPN and other places like that. But today, I'm going to explain to you guys exactly how the system works and why neither side of this is really right because of the nuance that is involved in the middle. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode, but before we get into it, let's quickly hear from today's sponsors. All right, so like I said, we're going to be talking about Pro Football Focus and their grading system today. I'm going to go over all the nuances that's associated with this and talk you guys through why some of the players are rightfully upset, but some of the areas where they may be incorrect as well. But before we get into this, I think just an overview of PFF is probably really helpful. Some of you guys probably already know some of this stuff because I wrote about it in the newsletter a few months ago. All you have to do is if you want to read the full piece, just go search Huddle Up Pro Football Focus on Google. It'll pop up. You guys can read the whole thing, breaking down how PFF came out as a business, how much they're worth today, how Chris Collinsworth got involved in the whole story. But the details that you really need to know is that Pro Football Focus started in 2007. It was started by a guy named Neil Hornsby. He was actually living in London at the time, but he loved football. He thought that there needed to be a better scouting analysis process based on NFL game film. And he really just wanted to meet other NFL fans. So he started this website called Pro Football Focus, and he started analyzing NFL games and providing detailed reports on all the players for every single game. That was their big promise. They were going to grade every single player in every single NFL game. The website started out really small. They were generating about 80 page views per week, but it built up over time. And now they service every single NFL team. All 32 NFL teams they have an agreement with to share data and content with as well as every single major college football program. We're talking about more than 150 college football programs, every single one across Power 5 college football. Now, PFF's business can be broken down into three parts. Number one is what we'll call professional services. This is data analysis services provided to the NFL and college teams that I just mentioned, but they also provide this data to NFL agents when they go to negotiate new contracts with teams. They also provide it to media companies. It's what you see Uh, at the bottom of the lines on Sunday Night Football every single week where it says, hey, here's this player's PFF positional rank. Just is supposed to give you a little bit of an idea of where that player ranks for their position in the league today. The deals with an NFL team may pay high six figures annually for the data, while an FBS school probably pays like somewhere in the five figures for that data. They also have a subscription site called PFF Plus. This is marketed to diehard NFL and NCAA college football fans, fantasy football players, sports bettors, and everyone else in between. It costs $25 a month and you get a bunch of other data on top of that. Then they do content. They do podcasts. They do written pieces. They do everything else that a content business would do to promote their content and their subscription and everything else off of that. But they also make money off of sponsorship deals with companies like FanDuel and other things like that. They have 200 full-time employees as well as a few hundred people who grade these games. And Chris Collinsworth got involved with the business in 2014. You guys all know Chris Collinsworth from his announcing duties with NBC but he bought a majority stake in the business for $6 million in 2014. The business is now valued at $160 million. So when he purchased his stake, his majority stake for $6 million, the business PFF was valued at around $10 million at the top. But he thought this was going to be huge. He knew that he could integrate it into NBC and he could get a bunch of other NFL teams and college football teams to buy the data as well. 
That's exactly what he's done over the last decade. And now the business is valued at $160 million. They're trying to expand into other things like soccer and rugby and other stuff like that. But there's been a lot of debate over the last few weeks about their grading system in general. So I want to explain what happened first, and then I'll walk you guys through exactly how the grading system works and explain some of the nuance behind why neither of these parties are really correct in their assessment and why people should just you know take it for what it's worth. So let's start with the obvious. What happened over the last few weeks as to why people got so upset? So last week was the first round of the playoffs, the wild card weekend. So I'm going to read you the stats for CJ Stroud, who is obviously a rookie quarterback making his playoff debut for the Houston Texans, and Jordan Love, who is in his first year as a starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, also making his playoff debut. Now, I'm not kidding. These guys literally had identical stats. Both Stroud and Jordan Love went 16 for 21. CJ Stroud had 274 passing yards, where Jordan Love had 272 passing yards. So again, nearly identical. Also, both quarterbacks had three touchdowns and no interceptions. And they each, literally identical, had a passer rating of 157.2 for CJ Stroud and 157.2 for Jordan Love. Now, it sounds like they had the exact same game, right? That doesn't happen often, but three touchdowns, no interceptions, 275 passing yards, each of them really 16 for 21, 157 rating. That sounds phenomenal. Sounds like they had the best games of the weekend. Well, PFF graded Jordan Love as having the best game of the weekend. PFF graded him at a 92 and a half versus 88 and a half for Matthew Stafford, 88 for Josh Allen, 88 for Patrick Mahomes. And then way down the list is where they had CJ Stroud at 77.8. Now, again, there's a huge difference between 92 and a half and 77.8. Now, it's no secret why someone like JJ Watt was upset. He looked at paper and he saw Jordan Love and CJ Stroud had identical stats, same touchdowns, no interceptions, same passer rating, same passing yards, same completion percentage, everything, literally identical down the sheet. But they had two wildly different grades on PFF. So J.J. Watt got upset and he took to Twitter. And here's what he said. He said, this is what happens when you try to grade football players with an algorithm. C.J. Stroud's performance was graded a 77.8. And people treat this shit as gospel. Now, I want to make it very clear that I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't necessarily know anyone in PFF. I've never worked with them. I think J.J. Watt's a great guy, a phenomenal person, and obviously an incredible NFL player. I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't necessarily care who you guys believe. But I think there's some nuance to this that people don't really understand. So I want to explain how the grading system works first and foremost, and then we'll get into some of the challenges that NFL players have with it and why they don't agree with it necessarily. So PFF is actually very transparent with how their grading system works. There's a site called pff.com slash grades, backslash grades. You can go to it and it lays out the entire system, exactly how it works. And I highly recommend everyone goes and does that. But the easiest way to think about it is that PFF has people that watches every play from multiple camera angles of every single game, and they grade players on every single play. Now, again, there's some nuance to this because they don't know the play call. They're not in the huddle. They don't know the assignment of that player. They don't even necessarily know a lot of the time what they are supposed to be doing. But what PFF says is that although they don't know those things, those outside conditions, what they do is they say that it's fairly obvious every given play what a player is attempting to do, right? Are they trying to cover the flat? Are they trying to throw to this receiver? Are they trying to stop a pass rush? Right? It's pretty obvious when you watch an NFL game, when you watch a play from multiple different angles, what a player was attempting to do. Again, PFF says maybe there's a handful of plays every single game where you can't tell what that player was attempting to do, or you don't know the play call or the coverage or something like that. But when the, you look at the game as a whole, in totality, that's a very small percentage of the grade, and it doesn't really have a huge effect on it. And I kind of agree with that, right? Like in most cases, you know what a player is attempting to do Depending on the position, there's some things that are a little bit different if you're talking about defensive backs or things like that. 
But essentially, the offensive tackle is either trying to block for the run or he's trying to stop someone from getting to the quarterback. That's pretty obvious. Quarterback, again, he has different reads and things like that. But when he goes to make a throw, is it a good throw? Does the receiver drop it? Is it a turnover-worthy play? There are certain things that are very fair to grade. And I think objectively, really anyone that has any football knowledge can grade those things. Now, again, there's nuance in this, which we'll get into. But PFF system works like this. Every single play starts as what we'll call a zero. Then it goes up in half point increments. So it goes up to a 0.5 positive, positive one, positive 1.5, and a positive two. And it does the same exact thing in reverse. So on this website, they literally tell you exactly how this works. They say every play starts as a zero. You can go positive or negative depending on your performance on that play. It goes up or down the scale further depending on how important or how great or how terrible the play was. So the example they use is that a quarterback, if he throws a short pass well, and it's a completion, whether it's a completion or not, actually, if he throws a short pass and hits the guy in the hand, that quarterback would get a plus 0.5 for that play, right? So a small incremental uptick in his grade for doing what he was supposed to do on that play, making a good read and making the pass. If he throws a throw that's really good, and the example they use is in the Super Bowl when Eli Manning threw that pass to Mario Manningham on the game drives, a great play like that would be plus two, right? So again, there's a sliding scale of the importance of the moment, how good the throw was, the outcome of the play, et cetera. But anywhere between 0.5 to two, you can get positive for a play. And again, it goes in reverse. You can go negative 0.5 if you throw an incompletion or you throw it at someone's feet or something like that. You can go negative one and a half for an awful throw that should have been an interception. And you can go negative two. And again, the example that they use is the NFC Championship game where they were in field goal range and Brett Favre throws across his body for an interception. So again, a terrible play in a big moment like that would be negative two. Again, sliding scale to determine how that player plays on a given play. Now, one of the things that I think PFF does really well is that they say grades versus stats can be different, right? And I think when you really break it down, most people would agree with this. The idea that statistics can be misleading. And the idea and the example that they use on their website is in 2016, Atlanta Falcons edge rusher Vic Beasley. Now that year in 2016, Vic Beasley led the NFL, all players in the NFL in sacks. It was a breakout year for him and they were the NFC champions that year. But PFF had him ranked as the 31st edge rusher in the NFL. So again, there's a huge divergence between what people were seeing on paper between that and the PFF grade. Now the examples that PFF says are because not all sacks were created equal. Vic Beasley that year, sacked the quarterback 16 times. Again, most in the league. But eight of those 16 sacks were when he was either unblocked or they were cleanup sacks that were owed more to someone else by flushing the quarterback out of the pocket towards Vic Beasley rather than him just beating someone, an offensive lineman, to make the play himself. So these are all things that you wouldn't get without watching the tape. Now, obviously, Vic Beasley's position coach, the GM, the head coach, everyone else associated with the franchise is watching the tape. They understand that. There is some nuance to this, again. But the average fan wouldn't recognize that, and that is the exact reason why PFF exists. Another misconception about pro football focus is that they use an algorithm. I mean, J.J. Watt literally said in his tweet, he says, this is what happens when you try to grade football players with an algorithm. And that's not what they're doing. That's a fundamental misunderstanding of how PFF works. They have scouts, former scouts, former coaches, other people that watch a lot of football and know the game grading every single play of every single game for every single player. So they're literally watching the tape and they're grading them on a scale, like I just explained, from negative two to positive two. Every single grade is then translated from that, added up onto each other, and then translated into a numerical grade, 
again, those are the ones that you just saw with CJ Stroud at 77.8 and Jordan Love at 92.5. Those were translated from adding up all of their individual plays to determine a grade so you can compare across different positions. There's no algorithm. And in most cases, actually all cases, the final grade for a player is reviewed by PFF says the top two to 3% of their grade. Now, I think the funniest part about this is that people are complaining about CJ Stroud's grade specifically, but there's very obvious reasons why CJ Stroud didn't grade as well as Jordan Love. I say all this because I don't have a horse in this race. I just watched both games. I heard the description from the PFF guys. I heard what JJ Watt said on the Pat McAfee show. And it feels like there's a very obvious explanation for this. Jordan Love played a very mistake-free football game. He played a phenomenal game. He had multiple touchdown passes, no turnovers, no turnover-worthy plays. He hit the receivers when they were open. He didn't get sacked a ton. And he played a great game. They won. Awesome. 92 and a half great. The difference with CJ Shroud was that he made multiple mistakes. Not only multiple mistakes, but some of his best plays really didn't have all that much to do with him in the first place. And I'll explain. So there was a play, I think it was in the first quarter, maybe it was in the second quarter, but I believe it was in the first half where CJ Stroud threw in a double coverage, it hit a defensive back's hands, and he dropped it. Now on the stat sheet, that just reads as an incompletion. You have no idea why it was an incompletion. You don't know anything else about it. It could have just been that he threw the ball out of bounds because he was going to get sacked and it was a good play. But that's not what happened. It was a turnover-worthy play that quite frankly should have been a turnover, but the guy dropped it. Now, this is the whole reason for the grading system in the first place, because that's not a good play. He made a bad read. He threw in a double coverage because he didn't see the guy, and it should have been an interception, but the guy dropped it. So on the stat sheet, that doesn't show. In the passer rating, that doesn't show. But on PFF's grading system, and what is quite frankly graded internally with the Houston Texans as well, is that that is a negative play. It is a turnover-worthy play, and he should be deducted for that, and he was deducted for that. So that's point number one. Point number two is that the composition of the touchdowns between Jordan Love and CJ Stroud were also drastically different. Now, Jordan Love had one touchdown pass to a guy that was wide open that I could have thrown. I get it 100%, but the other ones were really good. And if you look at CJ Stroud's touchdowns, one of them was an awesome deep ball, but then there was another one that was a screen pass. And then there was a second one that was essentially just a dump off with a running back ran for, you know, I don't know, 60 yards, 70 yards, whatever it was. It was a really long touchdown that was essentially just a dump off pass. Now he made his play, he made the read, and he hit the guy. But everything else was out of his control. The fact that the player ran all the way down the field, avoided a couple of people, was really fast, and scored, doesn't really have anything to do with CJ Shrek. Again, I don't think he should be punished for making the right play, but that's not a plus two positive play. That's a plus half a point positive play in my mind, right? If you think about it, he made a great play, he made the right read, and he threw the ball. But just because you throw the ball five feet is very different than throwing a 60-yard touchdown on a dime over a guy's head. I think everyone can understand. So again, two different games. The box scores ended up different, but I think this is actually the best argument for why PFF exists in the first place. The box scores tell you different things than when you grade every single player from every single game, from every single snap, from different camera angles. They're two entirely different things, and they tell you things that the box score cannot. So whereas on paper, CJ Stroud and Jordan Love's performances looked identical, PFF graded them differently because they were different performances. One person, C.J. Stroud, had a turnover-worthy play. He also had multiple touchdowns that were out of his control because of what happened in yards after catch. That didn't happen to Jordan Love. He didn't have turnover-worthy plays, and he had a better game overall on film than C.J. Stroud did. Now, that's not to say that C.J. Stroud didn't have a good game. He's obviously an incredible player, and they did a great job winning their game. But you can't just look at the box score like so many people are trying to do online and saying they had identical numbers, they should have been graded the same, he played a really good game. 
there's nuance to this. And that's exactly why the business model for PFF exists. All right, so I think you guys get the point. I've spoken enough about why PFF is useful and it's a valuable business. But there's also some nuance on the other side of this, which is why some of the players and some of the teams don't treat it as gospel. And the reason for that is quite simple. Number one, a lot of times PFF is more useful for things like formation alignments, stats, targets, and everything else outside of grading, right? So it reduces the amount of work that a scouting department has to do, what the coaches have to do when it comes to watching film, because it gives you all of that data and insights up front. So a team in the NFL or college football might exclusively use the PFF data for things, again, like formation alignments, stats, target shares, all that kind of stuff for opposing teams or even for themselves, but they may not use it for the great, right? So they may still have all their coaches do their own internal grades versus using PFF for them. And the second point is actually quite simple. It's just that NFL players don't like the idea of non-NFL players grading their work. Again, I just told you that PFF has over 600 people, full-time and part-time, that are grading plays when it comes to NFL players and college players. Now, some of them are obviously former scouts. Some of them are former GMs. Some of them are former coaches, but not all 600 are. So there's certainly people that are non-NFL players or coaches that are grading NFL players on their performance without knowing the context of the game, without knowing certain techniques or certain things that they were attempting to do during the individual game. Again, we can argue till our faces are blue, whether that matters for the overall grade or not. But I certainly think it plays some level of importance and the NFL players have a standing there, right? They have an idea of why that would be upsetting to them. Now, there's a couple other things here. Number one, I also don't think that NFL teams take this stuff super seriously because some of the things that PFF docks you for, they're okay with, right? So Legereus Sneed is a great example of this. Legereus Sneed is an absolutely amazing defensive back for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's played lights out all year. I think before their last game, he had almost 600 snaps without allowing a touchdown. It was by far the best performance by a cornerback this year. He also had 17 forcing completions before their last game, which was number one for cornerbacks as well. And he's had a tremendous year. But Pro Football Focus had him somewhere ranked, I think, in the 30s when it comes to defensive backs in the NFL this year. And anyone who watches football, any coaches, any players in the NFL would tell you that that's ridiculous. He's one of, if not the best quarterback in football today, but... The reason why he was so low on PFF's list is because he leads all the defensive backs in penalties this year. He has 17 penalties. 11 of them have been accepted for 82 yards. And that is 16% or 17% of the Kansas City Chiefs overall penalties, right? So he's had a lot of penalties. But what I think a lot of defensive back coaches would tell you and head coaches would tell you is that that sort of comes with the territory, right? He's guarding a lot of great players and he's been in on a lot of different things this year. So to have eight defensive pass interference penalties, six holdings, two illegal use of hands, and one illegal contact, they're okay with that based on his production and his performance. They would certainly take him higher than the number 31st or number 32 cornerback in the NFL today. And that's why they wouldn't agree with PFF's ranking because some of those things are further down on the list of importance than other things like incompletions, touchdowns allowed, yards or anything else like that, right? I mean, we all saw what he did to Tyreek Hill in the playoff game. He jammed him down the line, right? He didn't get off the line of scrimmage and he was a huge factor in limiting Tyreek Hill when he was on him specifically. So again, there's certain things that coaches will take over other things, and that's another reason why they don't always agree with the PFF grade. But that doesn't mean that the PFF grade is useless. In fact, I would argue that some players are making the case for PFF grades. Jeff Swartz, who is a former NFL lineman, tweeted out, he said that he once challenged his coach on his grade. He got his return after a game. The coach gave him a grade. He didn't say what it was, but let's just use for an example that he got graded in 85 performance for that game. Jeff Swartz challenged him and said, that grade is wrong. I played better than that. And the coach said to him, you're right, you did, but I can't give you a better grade 
because we lost, right? And that's not the way that scouting should work. That's not the way that grading should work. It should be completely objective to what happens as the outcome of the game. It's grading individual players on their performance during every single individual play from multiple camera. I don't know how many more times we can say it. And that is necessary in sports. So I don't necessarily think that PFF is right or wrong. I don't necessarily think that JJ Watt or any of these other NFL players speaking out on PFF are right or wrong. I want you guys to know that there's some nuance to this. The grading system works as it is supposed to work, but that doesn't mean that it's the most valuable piece of information to players, to teams, even to fans, right? It's a piece of information and it can be valuable depending on how you look at it, but there is some significant nuance that is missed by the way that PFF does their rankings and their grading system. That's it for today though, guys. I hope you learned something more about the PFF system, how their grading works and the background of the company. And most importantly, why some of the NFL players don't agree with it and would be upset with the open system. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and leave me a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this episode. Tell me what you're enjoying and what I can be doing better. Otherwise, I hope everyone has a great weekend watching football and we'll talk on Monday.